Welcome back podcast friends. This is episode 66. Today we are talking about ways to know that your therapist is the right one for you. Now guys, we had a chat this week and what we wanted to ask was how do I know if my therapy is working? You know, how do I know if the therapy that's I'm undergoing is the best for me? But do you know what? With every case being so different, it would take us 10 hours to run through every nuance of every single case out there. I mean, it just wasn't feasible. It would be endless. So me and Ronald had a sit down and we tried to look at the question a bit differently. What we have come up with is a different way round of thinking it. As every treatment out there, because everybody is so inherently different, from timing of treatments to frequency to how you're going to respond to them, We wanted to give you some helpful ways instead to tell if your therapist is the right one for you. Now, if your therapist passes our test, chances are they are able to provide the best quality care that works for you. As always, look, guys, there are caveats to what we are talking about here. There's always going to be nuances in every case, your body, how you react, how you get on with your therapist. There may even be times when, yes, the opposite of our advice today works best for you. We're talking in general terms here to try and give you an overview of what you want to watch out for and hopefully give you some better info to better your care and better find a therapist and therefore therapy that works for you. I think it's a much uh, well, a much better way around of trying to think about it. Let's hope you guys like it too. Episode 66, Dave and Rob talk how to tell that your therapist is the best for you. Let's go. Welcome to the Back Pain Podcast with Rob and Dave, the only show geared specifically to help educate you about your back pain. We talk to the experts to bust the myths, break down the science, and give you all the top tips for living pain-free. So, if you're driving to work, tied in the house, or even laid up at home in pain, we have something for everyone. And welcome back, podcast friends. Thank you for that intro, Dave. So, Dave, we're talking today about how to know if your therapist is, is good, effectively, to an extent. You know, what are we looking for you know, what do we advise people, whether that's friends, whether that's family members, you know, to, to know that they're on the right track, that they're getting the best care possible. So we came up with a little list, didn't we, of five or six different kind of things to watch out for. Should we kick it over with number one? What was your number one on the list? What was the first thing which you had done? Okay, so this is one of my favourite ones and it's probably one of the biggest ones for me. Look, we're going to say you leave every session feeling better. I mean... That goes without saying, right? You're there to feel better. But I want to break that down into different parts if I can, Rob. For me, I'm going to break that into three. I'm going to say we feel better either, A, in our pain scores, so we have less pain. B, we feel better in our movement, so we have better function. And C, we feel better mentally. So our mentality or our um, optimism about what's going on has improved. Our outlook. Outlook, that's what I'm after. Yes, yeah, perfect. So the the first option A, pain, is the easy one. Of course, you want to be walking out of that treatment room or clinic feeling a little bit easier, but here's where every case differs. Some people might actually work out feeling a little bit tender, feeling sore. Even just doing some orthopedic tests in a new patient appointment can sometimes leave people feeling sore. 
It all depends on how you react to treatment, the type of treatment and what your pain levels are at the time. So we can't always just use pain. However, on the, the macro scale, you know, over the weeks and months, I'd certainly wanting to be seeing a lot less pain. Option two for me, or option B, whichever I said, uh, mechanically or functionally, you're doing better. Sometimes people do leave my office and they might be quite tender, but suddenly they can touch their toes, they can twist, they can maneuver, they can lift again. So although the tissues might be rather tender where we've been working, they're functionally a lot better. So they do feel better because they can move. They can suddenly sit, stand, walk, do a star jump and a backflip. I don't know. Um, even though it's sore where we've worked through those tissues, they're actually able to do more. So they feel better in that way. And then option C, feeling better with that optimism and that outlook. Is your therapist installing a positive outlook about your pain and a positive outlook about your prognosis? Are they trying to install positivity about the condition of your spine, your bounce back ability, your anti-fragility. Check out episode 65 for anti-fragility talks and making sure that you know that, yeah, do you know what? Your spine's fantastic. You need to do this, this and this and I see the end of the uh, the light at the end of that tunnel and this is how we're going to do it. Um, I think the optimism and the outlook is almost just as important as the function and the pain sometimes. What do you think of that, Rob? 100% agree. I couldn't agree more with that. I think the that outlook and when we're talking about, if I say to someone, you should walk out feeling better, that's what in my head I'm thinking of, of, mm. of wanting that patient to feel so that when they walk out of that room, they're not feeling broken. They're not feeling like they can't do anything. They're not feeling like they're a worst case scenario and they need to be written off completely from care. You know, they should be made to feel actually these are all the things I can do and I am going to get better. And these are the things that I can do to help my pain. And, you know, so they feel confident in their body. They feel strong. They feel stable. All the things that we've spoken about before, that's how they should walk out feeling. Yes, as you said, you might be a bit sore after some testing, after some treatment, you know, as some people are, some people don't. And, you know, we've had enough experience. We know that some patients, you know, might feel fine during the treatment and get up off the bench and go, oh, actually, I'm quite sore now. And vice versa, some people might have been in loads of pain and then feel instantly better, you know, and so it's very individual, it's very hard to predict who, you know, will be physically sore and who won't. So I often just say to people that you might be a bit sore after treatment, and then they kind of, you know, kind of kind of expect it. But they're walking out feeling positive and feeling confident in themselves, or I like to think so anyway, that's my aim. Um, you know, we're not telling people that they are <laughs> broken and, you know, nothing's ever going to get better. Absolutely. And look, um, that's it. They're not installing some sort of negative, you need me for a therapist every week for the rest of your life. They're letting you know the positivity in that. Now, look, let's be honest here, guys. I'm not after a therapist who's going to blow smoke up your ass and tell you that it's going to be absolutely fantastic in two sessions and that they've got the golden cure. But optimism does go a long way. We don't need fairy tales. I need realism, but I want some optimism in there as well. We don't want scare tactics. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I think it's also optimism in terms of your body optimism. So it's telling you what you can do. You know, you're not crumbling. You're not going to break when you pick something up. You're not going to crumble and wear things down. It's actually this is safe to do and you can do it. And you're giving them optimism not only about their recovery, but also about themselves. Oh, I like that. So it's not all about that end goal. It's actually about your physicality doing it. Yeah. You know, how many stories do we have of, you know, people who they... You know, an elderly lady who's told never to pick up anything heavier than a shopping bag. Mm. You know, that GP might have, or she might have seen a GP, an osteopath, a physio, a chiropractor. He might have done the most brilliant treatment to her. She might have walked out feeling fantastic in terms of pain levels. 
But he actually said, yep, your back's going to be fine for life if you never pick up anything heavier than a shopping bag. You know, and that's a bit of an ethical conundrum because she might be fine for life and he's given her that positivity, but also he's then kind of torn that down at the same time and we know that the implications of her not moving and bending and lifting could potentially be a lot worse outcome. So that's what I'm referring to, is that kind of body positivity, that body optimism, which we know long-term is going to pay off. Mm. God, I thought telling you, you know, having a mechanic saying, yeah, your car's going to be fine if you don't drive it anywhere, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A zero that's mile warranty. Like um, yeah. uh, Body, what, yeah. Bodies aren't cars. Oh, bodies aren't cars. Uh, Rob, what is number two, please? We had, um, you had a mutual plan in place. So what that means is when you go and see a therapist, whoever that may be, and I'm not going to say the list again, we said it too many times, but whoever that may be, you have a mutual pre-agreed upon goal that you are together trying to meet. So if you're sitting down with your person in front of you and your plan is to get back to doing an Ironman, he should be approaching, he or she should be approaching that, that goal very differently to if you're getting back to wanting to walk to the shops or garden or whatever. So you should have these goals in place. So there's an, an end goal, uh, a target which you are aiming for, and then everything which you're doing in and out of that session is geared towards that. So are those exercises going to help with your running plan? Are those exercises going to help you get back onto the bike? Are they going to help you with your endurance to dig in the garden? So you've got that plan in place. It's not just a never-ending week on week on week on week on week. Yep, see you next week, see you next week, see you next week, just to kind of, you know, help ticking it at bay. You know, you should have an end in sight. You should know when there's a plan in place or what the fallback is if it's not going to work. You know, what I often say to patients is, I'd expect this to get better or to be, you know, largely better in a certain amount of time. If it's not, this is the plan. If it's a lot better, this is the plan. If it's fantastically better next week, I'm going to say goodbye to you. And so they've got those kind of options laid out in front of them. So they know that, okay, if it's not better, I might need a scan to see if that's a stress fracture. I might need, you know, a second intervention. I might need a referral to an orthopedic surgeon. I might need, you know, some, someone else's input. So they have that plan. They know which direction they're headed in. And then they know which direction they're going to head in if it doesn't go to plan. So they, they know everything. I love it. You don't get on an airplane and then find out where it's going once you're halfway there, do you? Um, <laughs> everything else in life, we, we sort of... We know Depends that end goal. Depends on which you had to drink goal. in the airport. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where are we off to, by the way? Um, <clears throat> why would therapy be any different? Uh, I, I hate that kind of like, oh, we'll see how we go. Or, you know, we'll, we'll just see how it happens. For me, you've got to have that that progression planned in and ready so everyone's aware of what's going on. Because you're keeping your therapist as accountable as they should be keeping you accountable. Yeah, and that, that we'll see how things go is a bugbear, not just from myself as a clinic owner, but also as a bugbear from patients as well, because, mm. oh yeah, see how it goes. When patients walk out, they want to know if they've got to, if they should see you again. They want to know if they, what they, what, what their plan is, if they feel sore, they want to know what the plan is, if they feel better, you know, they want to have, you know, obviously not everyone, there's caveats, but most people want to know what their plan is and, you know, and to have that in place is, is vital. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and to be able to ask the, uh, um, ask what happens if I do feel better, what happens if I do feel worse, and if they've not got an answer for that, and if it's not different, I think that shows a, a lack of planning. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. That then kind of almost brings us on to skip ahead a few numbers, which is number five, six we've got on the list, which is they should be allowing you to ask questions. So any therapist should give you the patient time to ask them questions. 
you know, so that, that might be, do you have any questions for me? Is there anything else you'd like to ask me today? Is there anything else I forgot to ask you about? Um, something like that to, and basically enable you to give you the time to ask anything which you might have worried about. You know, everyone here has probably been in a GP or doctor or physio or some type of appointment where they felt a bit brushed off and they've kind of walked out and had a thousand questions and gone, oh, I've got to ask about that or I've got to ask about that or, oh, I didn't really get the time to ask that because he was a bit, he or she was a bit rushed. And it's really not a nice place to be really, is it? So giving you the time to ask the questions that you want to do is vital. And then you, then you're on the same page and then things aren't going to get missed as well. So, you know, when you're asking, is this going to help me get back, get back to running? And that therapist hasn't actually considered that. It gives them another opportunity to come up with a different plan or change exercises or, you know, a, a different approach, I guess, if, if it's necessary. Yeah, absolutely. Look, don't be afraid to ask questions more than once as well. Um, the outcomes or the answers might actually change as the treatment goes on. Um, don't take these things for granted. I've never met a therapist worth their salt who doesn't love bloody talking about what they do because it's what excites us. Look, we and Rob are sat here at half past 10 in the evening recording a podcast because it's what we love doing. If you ask us a question, you better get <laughs> get ready and have a sit down and get ready for the answer <laughs> because we want Put to impart that knowledge. That's it. We want to update you and bring you into the treatment because mm. we know that's going to work so much better for you um, and be in your favor. If you feel like those questions are being dodged, not being answered, being kind of like skirted around. For me, that's just not good enough. You should, yeah, flag, should be answers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's that's always going to be a flag. That, you know, people should have, if someone's doing any treatment to you, whether that's passive treatment, manual therapies, massage treatment, you know, joint, whatever it might be, or if it's exercise-based treatment, they should know why they're doing that at any particular time. So you should always be able to ask that, why that's, why are you doing this? What does it do? And I generally love it when people ask that. What does this exercise do? Why, what's the aim of this exercise? You know, some people, some patients love asking all that question, all those questions and love knowing it. And some don't and want to want to get on with it in silence. And that's also totally fine. There's no, you shouldn't have to ask questions, but you should be given the opportunity <laughs> to ask questions. And as you said, most of us will happily harp on for an hour <laughs> about, you know, s- some form of treatment that we, uh, what we're currently <laughs> yeah. doing. You know, we've, we've all been there. But no, that's a, a really good one. So that's an important one. Is yeah, giving you the opportunity to ask questions. I'll say not not only ask questions, giving you the opportunity to speak and talk. Mm. Well, tell you what, um, that goes to our next point. Then, Rob, um, they listen to you. They don't interrupt. What an amazing thing! I mean, crazy that we've got to say this about therapists, but. Is your therapist listening to you? Do they interrupt you? Do they brush over your statements? Um, do they sort of diminish what you've been saying uh, and brush that aside? Or do they stop properly listen to not just your questions, but uh, the extra information that they're giving you? Do they recall what you said about um, uh, you know, your pain or, or your condition three minutes ago? And do they ask you the question again because they've forgotten it? and they're not properly listened to. Um, are you feeling listened to? You know, Are they able to repeat back what you've said to them? Are they using your language, or have they kind of got a vague understanding because you pointed to your leg, and then they've come up with a whole other thing on the side? Uh, that could be quite a, um, uh, quite a flag there. Yeah, and, it, and it's something which I think the average time that a patient gets to speak when they first meet uh, a doctor, or <clears throat> in that role, someone in that role, is something like 15 or 20 seconds before they're interrupted. 
on average. I think that I, th- so I'm, I might be completely ruining that study and speaking <laughs> yeah, up my yeah. ass. But it was something like it was a very short period of time that, yeah. that that patient was allowed to speak to when they sat down and said, "Why are you here today?" or "How, how can I help you today?" Mm. 10, 15, 20 seconds before they were interrupted with another question. So giving a patient opportunity to speak, tell me why you're here today, how can I help you, whatever it might be, tell me your story, there's all sorts of ways to kind of, you know, start that conversation, letting them speak uninterrupted and then allowing those pauses, you don't have to fill every silence, you know, kind of I often allow those pauses to just flow naturally and let people then follow up with secondary information rather than jumping in with a second question. So Mm. giving people the opportunity to speak is so, so important. And from the patient side of it, that's when you know that someone's listening. When they're not typing away at their computer, yes, obviously there will be a time when that's important, but when they're sat looking at you eye to eye in the face and you're talking to them, telling them about your problem, someone's nodding, listening, they're not obviously not checking their phone, but they're not typing away at the computer, they're not on an email, they're not... They're not interrupting you, looking at the clock, looking at their watch. All these type of things would all be, for me, flags. 100%. Are they active listening or are they diddling around? Yeah. Uh, we teach all our therapists, uh, sit on your hands and look that patient in the eye. Don't talk until they've finished. Um, <clears throat> are they waiting for you to finish or are they listening? Yeah. Oh, I like that. Waiting for you to finish. That's really good. It's something I think it was you, you might have taught me this, taught me this as well, was about recapping the patient's story back to them. This is something which I've done. And for any therapist mm. listening, it's a good good technique, is that when Mrs. Smith sits down and says, I've had back pain, it's been there for 20 years, and she goes, she speaks for a couple of minutes about her issue. After that, you say, okay, so just to check I've got this right, this started after you bent over to pick something up. It's been there for about five years. It hasn't really changed. It gets better when you do this. It gets worse when you do that. You also have these other medical conditions these exercises helped, you've seen a few different people, and recap that story just over 30 seconds, have I missed anything? And then they know that you've listened to them, they know that you've understood them, and they know that you're on the same page. If you then use the patient language as well, that's another really good sign that therapist is listening to you. You know, you've used the same, you know, you described it as an ouchy pain, or you described it as a little hello of pain. I had a patient describe to me the other day, which I quite liked. Um, And, uh, you know, so using that, that patient language, that's another really good sign that that therapist is really listening to you and really taking on board that they're validating your experience Mm. that's it and i think far too often um what then happens is it'll get lost in translation down the line so if you said it's a tingling pain that trickles down my leg and they've then your therapist just written paresthesia which is a fancy term for difference in the nerve sensation that could mean so many different things so are they making sure to write down your exact sensation your exact feeling so they're able to parrot it back to you um i, I think that's really important not for parroting back for to show um showing that they've got that deeper level of I- intricate understanding about your case i mean we're talking important stuff here this is what what's going to help to get you out of pain those intricacies those um uh, differences and nuances that's what can sometimes be the difference between remaining in pain and getting sorted yeah we know that re- building rapport with a therapist is so important and that's a simple way to build rapport from the therapist side things like that little small tricks like that having that rapport and that relationship and someone that you can trust and someone that you believe and someone that you feel understands you and listens to you it's such a key part of your recovery and you don't feel brushed off. If you leave a session feeling brushed off, not listened to, not understood, then that's a surefire way to, you know, not get better very fast. Absolutely. I love it, Rob. Um, what was number, what was our next number, Rob? It was, it was having 
making sure that there is an active component to your care alongside any passive treatment. So what we mean by that is, we've mentioned it before about kind of active versus passive care. Passive treatment is anything that is done to you. In the treatment room, the therapist might do with their hands, it might be with a tool, it might be a massage, it might be manipulation, it might be joint work, whatever it is. That is all passive care, things that are done to you, as opposed to active care, which is when you do things. So that might be things that you do in the treatment room, some exercises, some rehab, some active stretches, or things which you're given to do at home. Active management of um, some more exercise to do at home, some lifestyle advice, some dietary advice, some education, some site, anything which is given to you to for you to do. So you're actively having a an improvement in your recovery. So there's a time and a place for both. Now there's obviously a lot of debate around this as well, but there's there's a time and a place for both in in management of pain. But any active management, any passive management should be backed up with active management. That is the goal of any passive treatment. It's to make you have a, it's a mechanical painkiller, it's a temporary pain reliever to allow you to function more and do more exercise as a result. So that is, you know, it should be seen, passive care should be seen as a segue into more active management. And that is the approach that we know works best for lower back pain. So, you know, that is the approach that most people should be taking. Now, as Dave said at the beginning, there are always going to be caveats to this. There's going to be a time and a place where people will be having more passive care or having more active care or vice versa. And yes, there's going to be nuances here. We're talking very general here. Generally, for the vast majority of lower back pain, we know that people respond better with active care. So that's how people should should be being treated, really. Fantastic. I can't add anything onto that. That's brilliant. Cool. No, fine with that. And it's, uh, it. it's just that caveat, really. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, of course. Um well, in that case, I'm going to take the last one away. Um, so our last point for our pod there today um, is that your practitioner is giving you the tools to help your own pain. So this, this is more along that active uh, care, but it's more than that. Um, are they talking about the mentality side of things? Are they talking about outlook? Are they talking about... Um, uh, how you react to pain? Are they trying to educate you about your body, give you more info about what's going on underneath the surface? You might want to sit in that chair, um, uh, get treated and leave. For me, I like to educate my patients as much as possible. I feel that this is one of the most important tools for recovery long-term, for understanding your body um, and for knowing what's going on underneath there. I think that's one of the biggest um, uh, the biggest predictors of long-term longevity of pain-free lifestyle is that you know what's going on because then you can understand what's a good pain, a bad pain, a, a medium pain. You can understand that's oh, feeling tight, so I'm going to start to do different exercises or I'm going to start to crank up um, uh, my morning routine. Um, I think that to give that patient the tools to help their own pain is probably the perfect way to finish out, really. It's one of the most important things. Yeah, what was the quote that we've spoken about before about active management? It was something like, when your patient wakes up at 3am, they, they're they not going to have you there to help them. So you best have given them some tools to help them help themselves. Yes. It was, I, I've ruined the quote by David Poulter, but it was something along those lines. <laughs> and it was how, yeah, when someone's in pain, you're not going to be there for 30 minutes out of a week. Mm. And I don't know how many hours in a week, but it's a, it's a lot. How many hours? 136? However many hours in a week, if you see them for half an hour, there's a lot of time when you're not there. So they should have the understanding and the knowledge to help themselves if they're struggling. So when they're having pain, it's not that, oh, I need to call Rob and Dave. I've got some pain. It's, okay, I'm going to try these exercises that they gave me. 
they help it a lot. So actually, I'm going to do the next level, these progression of those exercises or the regression if they're a bit too sore. I know I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to try and go to the gym. I'm going to take some painkillers if I have to. I'm going to use some ice or some heat. If that doesn't change it, I can then give Rob and Dave a call. But on the surface, I know what to do. And in the vast majority of times, people go, oh, and that actually helped a lot. And, you know, so it's giving them the, they're not reliant on that passive management from us. They have all the tools to help themselves. Yeah, that promotion of self-management. So that's what your therapist should be doing. They should be giving you these tools. So when you walk out of there, you know, if you have a bad day, what you can do to help yourself. Absolutely. Look, we're not talking about giving you the course materials here for the entire physiotherapy PhD. Um, it's not about, you know, ed- <laughs> uh, educating that way, but absolutely, Rob, it- it's the tools, the self-management, the, the self-awareness to be able to help yourself out of the trouble um, at 3am on a tough night when it's not working for you. Perfect. Awesome. So guys, yeah. those are six tips. Six tips to know yeah. whether your practitioner is the best for you or working for you. As always, there are caveats, there are nuances, there are differences but there are some fantastic ways there where hopefully you can understand a little bit more and you can help to uh, give yourself a bit of a um, confidence in that practitioner who's working for you. Yeah, and this goes for anyone who, who, a family member or a friend or someone who's looking for someone to help them, share this episode with them. And, you know, so how do I know if, if my chiropractor is good for me or how do I know if someone's right for me? These are going to be the the things to, to, to pay attention to, really. So you can send them this episode and say, this is what you should be looking out for. So to recap those things, those six tips are we should be leaving each session feeling better, not just in pain, but also in your your function, in your understanding of your body, you know, your what's the word you use for that? Um your your function, your yeah. It was pain function and something else. Part the the C part was something oh, else. Oh, um outlook. Your outlook, that's what it was, yeah, outlook, yeah. <laughs> uh, num- number two was you had a mutual plan in place with a kind of pre-agreed upon goal. Um, not just churning over from week to week. Um, it was active as well as passive care. So not just a reliance on a passive treatment approach. Um, they listen to you and they give you time to speak. They allow you to ask questions and they give you the tools to help yourself, i.e. they promote self-management of your of your problem. So those are those top six. As Dave said, you know, these are all vital. These are things that we should all be doing as therapists and that you as patients should be looking out for as therapists if you have any questions you can always reach out to us drop us a message on instagram you can give us a follow at the back pain podcast we are uh, i think we're growing rather rapidly on instagram at the moment aren't we dave absolutely faster than a bikini model in season um <clears throat> yeah i love it do follow our instagram it does help us chuck that like button a little massage um uh hit us up on twitter instagram facebook um but yeah it's insta at the moment it's blowing up i know exactly and uh, maybe it's the maybe it's the photos of you in a bikini that Actually, it is probably that. It is probably that. I've got to say though, the information um, that Rob puts up on that Instagram page is absolutely fantastic. There's constant streams of really top quality info there. Um, Do go and check it out. There's nothing but good stuff there. And as always, in other news, if you haven't already, head over over to our website. Head on and have a look at our provider map. So if you are someone who's struggling with pain, or have a friend or a family member who's in pain and is looking for someone to help them, head on over to the to the provider map. That is what it's there for. You can simply pop in your postcode or your address, and you'll find someone pre-approved by us, local to you, to make sure that you are, so you know you're getting the best care possible. So all these people have been pre-screened, and they've all been listed on our website for you 
to find someone to help you. Love it. And for all you practitioners listening out there, we know you're out there listening. Those are six fantastic tools that you can take with you to your patient room on Monday morning and be better and make sure that your patients are feeling the other side of those six rules. It will only benefit you, your patients and uh, everyone really. Yeah, I like it. For sure. Yeah, definitely. This will help everyone. So please share this episode with friends, family members, colleagues, anyone that you think will benefit. That'll loop. Perfect. Thanks, team. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Be sure to check out uh, check out all the social medias that Dave already listed, and we will catch you all next week. Thanks, so much, over bro. and out.